Littleton Coin Company is ringing in the holiday season with daily deals. Visit littletoncoin.com for at least 15% off select products now through November 28th. Save on your favorite coins, such as Morgan Silver Dollars, Kennedy Half Dollars, Commemorative Quarters, and much more. But hurry, each day offers a new deal you don't want to miss. Visit us now at littletoncoin.com. That's littletoncoin.com. Littleton Coin Company, serving collectors since 1945. Diwali, the Festival of Lights, is a vibrant and colorful celebration. We invite you to celebrate Diwali with a stroll through the enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens, adorned with lighted trees and displays on our half-mile paved trail with 500,000 sparkling lights at Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights in Vienna, Virginia. Get to Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights open November 10th through January 7th. Save time and money by purchasing a ticket online at winterwalkoflights.com. Welcome to Harvest Christian Center. I'm Dr. Foreman, and you're getting ready to hear an incredible message from God's Word. If this message speaks to you in a supernatural way like we believe it will, be sure to let us know at our website, harvestcc.me. If you're led to sow into the ministry of Harvest Christian Center, you can do so as well by visiting our website. Get ready to prepare your heart, mind, and spirit to receive this incredible Word that God has for you today. Remember, love God, love people, and love life. Let's go into the message already in progress. Ah, hallelujah. Lift, lift your Bibles high. We welcome those at every campus. I'm just caught up, so you're just going to have to forgive me. Uh, but I think there's some people that there were some days where you didn't even want to get out to bed. and There were some circumstances you didn't even want to have to face and you didn't even want to have to deal with. But Jesus, what I love about Jesus is that every time it looks like it's just getting ready to go down and it's not going to get any better. There's always a but. You ought to thank Jesus for buts. You ought to thank, and not just any kind of but, but anybody figured out he'll give you a big old but. I mean, he'll just give you. Some of y'all don't know nothing about that because you've never had to lose anything. You've never gone through anything. You've never wanted to give up. You've never had to throw in the towel. But for the rest of us, we welcome those at every campus. Lift your Bible. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message that I'm about to receive. Remain standing, if you will, for just a few more moments. Go to Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter number 44. Don't forget, you can connect with us on the Twitter and on the Facebook and on the YouTube. Not Twitter, the Twitter. Not Facebook, the Facebook. Not YouTube, the YouTube. That's just the way we do it where I'm from. Isaiah 44 and 3, you got it? Y'all ain't got it? If you're still flipping, say, hold on, Bishop. All right, I'll wait for you. I'm going to wait on you. Now, if you're going to play that game where you're going to flip to Nahum and pretend like you're in Isaiah, I'm going to give you an extra couple of minutes just so that way. Isaiah 44 and 3, it's on the screens. It says this, for I will pour water upon him that is what? Thirsty. Shout it at me. Thirsty. And floods upon the dry ground. So we've got two things happening here. God says, if you're thirsty, I'm going to pour water on you, the individual. But he says, then I'm going to send a float on the dry ground. Dry ground here represents your life. 
can we just be honest? Is there anybody in here that there's certain areas of your life where you've just felt like it's dry ground? That there's just certain areas where you feel like you got victory, but there's certain areas where you look at that and sometimes you just want to shut the door, pretend like it ain't even in there. Will you? Can we be honest today? Look at the neighbor and say, you might as well tell the truth. Tell him because he's going to be all in your Kool-Aid today. He's going to be, uh-huh. And what's the flavor? Red. <laughs> now, for those of you that didn't get that, red is not a flavor. Red is a color. So that's kind of the whole joke. Here it is, I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing, the empowerment to prosper, to do well, to be made whole upon your offspring. Which means the outpouring that we've declared in our church that began last week is not just going to affect you. And if you're a young person, it's not just going to affect you. It's going to affect you and your children and your children's children and your children. And somebody said, Bishop, I don't want no kids. That's all right. But you got a niece and a nephew and a cousin them. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak in this place. Do something unusual in our midst today. We do not want to be in the house and miss the outpouring that's in the house. We honor you for it now in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, high five two or three people and tell them it's unusual. It's unusual. It's unusual. Uh, you can be seated. This series asks some questions. It asks the question, aren't you ready for an outpour of God's spirit? It asks you the question, aren't you ready for an interruption in the business as usual of your life? It asks you, are you ready for an outpour of his love, an outpour of his power, an outpour of his joy, an outpour of miracles, an outpour of healing? It says to us that we are expecting, somebody say expecting, we are expecting to see the supernatural, and we invite you to experience it. Say, I'm not going to miss the outpouring. Now, now, I need to set the stage for this, and before I do that, we welcome all of those watching in the overflow of the Aurora campus. Hear me. I need to set the stage for something. Unusual things only occur in unusual atmospheres. You, you didn't hear what I just said. Unusual things only happen in unusual atmospheres. So today, I've come to put an interruption to church as usual. You are not just sitting there listening to me preach and teach the word to you, but you are sitting there as a vessel that God's getting ready to pour on. And that means if you got to get up and just stand and point at me the whole time, you get up and do what you got to do. If you got to run to this altar and kneel the whole time while the word is going forth, you do whatever you got to do. Unusual things happen in unusual unusual atmospheres and harvest I need this atmosphere to be unusual today because I'm expecting our God to do some who else is expecting some unusual stuff stuff that can't be explained it it didn't work on Friday but all of a sudden it's working on Monday they were acting crazy with you last week but all of a sudden they're favoring you this way shout unusual so I need an unusual atmosphere in this place, and I suggest you check your role. If the people on your role look a little stank and look a little pickle juice baptized, then I suggest you go to the overflow or come up here and sit next to me. But you got to make sure you sit next to some people that want to experience the unusual because the atmosphere is everything. Touch somebody and say, my atmosphere is too important to let you ruin it. Check your road. You better check your road. Check your road. If somebody didn't just touch their neighbor, I'm telling you, you better switch seats because you got too much you need God to do to be sitting next to somebody that acting like they don't have nothing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
So if you got to get up and shout, do it. We're normally radical at Harvest, but today we got to be on a whole nother level because we're expecting an outpouring in our church, an outpouring in our city, an outpouring in our region, an outpouring in our state, an outpouring in your marriage, an outpouring in your family. Shout unusual. Be seated. Watch this. It is the intention of this series to ignite a thirst inside of you for more of him, which we determined last week were his attributes and not just what he can do. It is often that we get infatuated with the things that God can do for us, but we do not get infatuated with the person nor the principles of the man uh, that it is we're excited about what he can do for us. And so uh, watch this because we found out that when we thirst for him, his attributes... What does that mean? I want to love like him. I want to talk like him. I want to walk like him. I want to look at storms like him and say, be still. I I want to look at crazy folk that's talking and just not even let it get on me and just say, get behind me. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm going to be able to look at blinded eyes and impossible situations and say, be so. I want to look at dead stuff that I need to come back to life and say, come forth. I want to be able to walk the way he walked and do. Why, Bishop? Because he said, greater works than these I done shall ye do. And so, we want his attributes. But watch this. We discovered last week that when we thirst for his attributes, we get this byproduct called his benefits. When we, when we thirst after his attributes, we have this byproduct called his benefits that, that come with him. It is kind of like, y'all know the Verizon commercials where, where, the, where the man would show up and they'd be on their phone and they'd show up and then all of a sudden they'd reveal all these people standing behind them and, and the man would say, I got the network with me. See, when I thirst after him, I get the network. You didn't hear what I said. Uh, When I'm thirsting after his attributes, I get everything that comes with him, which means I don't have to seek a blessing because I got the blessing. I don't don't have to seek healing. I got the healer. I don't need to seek a miracle. I got the miracle worker. When I thirst after him, I get goodness and I get mercy and I get blessing and I get favor and I get prosperity and I get wholeness. Not just for me, but for my offspring. An outpouring occurs when the climate of your life or atmosphere of your life creates a demand on the supernatural on your behalf. Now, uh, supernatural or outpouring, rather, excuse me, means something that streams out rapidly. And it often happens suddenly, out of nowhere, unexpectedly. It can't often be explained, but it's clearly seen. I'm going to say it again. It, it, it often happens suddenly. Now, now, now if, if you've never experienced a suddenly in life, that doesn't mean much to you because maybe you're used to getting everything by toil and by labor, and that's good. But when you serve Jesus because I seek him and I get his network, there's some stuff that took others five years that I'm just convinced because I know how to read that it won't take me that long. There's... There's some stuff that took others 20 years to accomplish that. Because I know how to read, I'm just convinced it won't take me that long. Why? Because I got the network. Uh, Say suddenly. Say it like you mean it. Say suddenly. 
it, 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 it comes out of nowhere. You, you, you were one day like the woman with the issue of blood thinking this is how you're going to die. And then the next day you walking around talking about I don't need that no more. One day you were on this medication and that medication and this medication and on this and on that. And then all of, all of a sudden out of nowhere... Now all of a sudden you're here. One day you were crying about how they walked out on you and how they left you and how they betrayed you and how they did you wrong. And the next day you wake up one morning and say, you know what? I'm over it now. I, I can't explain it. I don't even know what happened, but I ain't even worried about that anymore. One, one day you were crying over the house you lost and over the car you lost. And all of a sudden you wake up one morning and say, that's all right, because God's got something bigger and better for me anyhow. He'll never allow something to be taken from me and not give it back to me. Come here, Mark chapter 10, 100 fold greater than what I had in the first place. So I'm just suddenly, boom, suddenly, so, suddenly, so, 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 suddenly, it just, it just, it just, it came out of nowhere. And it can't often be explained. You, you, you can't often quantify or, or you don't often possess the intellectual prowess to articulate what it is that took place. All you know is yesterday it was like that. But today, it ain't like that no more. All you know is yesterday you didn't have enough to make it to the end of the month, but today all of a sudden somehow, some way, some floodgate somewhere must have opened because we couldn't calculate it. My calculator don't even work to figure this out. Every time I put the numbers in, it doesn't even make sense sense but it just it just happened suddenly and so supernatural because an outpouring is when the climate of your life creates a demand on the supernatural on your behalf so then we have to define supernatural supernatural in its simplest form means unusual <laughs> by definition it means something attributed to a force beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. Come on, be a good class. That just means unusual. <laughs> there, are, there are five unusual experiences that we see in the scriptures that occur based on unusual actions. The truth is, I'm not going to get to all five. I'm probably get maybe through two and a half, possibly three, depending on how it flows. But watch this. Hear me. You've heard this before, but I need you to let it take another meaning today. Hear me very carefully. Shh, listen. It's a secret. If you want what you've never had, you must do what you have never done. <laughs> Let me talk to y'all, because maybe y'all got saved this week. This side, you know, I've been praying for y'all. If you want what you have never had, can I tell you a secret about your life? Your life is perfectly designed to get you the results you're getting. Your life is perfectly set up to give you what you're getting. So, anybody, before I ask the next question, anybody want something a little different than what they're getting in some area? It, it may not be all area, but just some area of your life. Now, if you don't want something different than what you're saying is you've arrived, and if you've arrived, I'm just trying to figure out why you're still here. Because when you stop growing, you've, by definition, you've died. See, the, def, uh, the definition uh, of life is to continue to grow and to process. So when a person stops growing, by definition, they've died. So the moment you think that life can't get any better, by definition, you're dead. 
The moment you think that things can't improve by definition, you're dead. But he didn't come for us to arrive and die. He came that we might have life and life for which means you got so much life that you're bringing other people back to life. And for some of you, that's why people at work come up to you and you're trying to figure out, I got my own problems. How are you coming up to me trying to solve yours? It's because there's so much life in you that it's overflowing and it's bringing other people back to life. Here's the question. If you want something you've never had, some of you, you you've never had abundance. Some of you, you've never had good relationships. Every relationship you got is like Ike and Tina. And sometimes you're the Ike and sometimes you're the Tina. So, for, some, for some folk, you've never had family function. Only thing you know is dysfunction. I'm just suggesting to you that maybe that's because if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. But if you want something, and I'm not preaching to everybody right here, but if you want something you've never had, you're going to have to do something you've never done. So here it is. Five. I'm only going to get to two and a half, maybe three. Now, we were here last Sunday, and we looked at it at, uh, at the midweek experience as well. But I want you to flip real quick to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, if you want something you've never had, you must do what you've never done. Now, now, I'm, I'm going to make this very practical for you because church folk, we like to shout about stuff like that. And we should shout about stuff like that. And somebody said, Bishop, I don't believe in shouting, but then you don't know how to read. The Bible says, shout to the Lord with a voice of trial. It didn't say speak loudly. It didn't say shout in your heart. If you were at the Bronco game, you wouldn't be shouting in your heart. If you were at the Nuggets game, you wouldn't be clapping in the spirit. Y'all ain't going to say nothing? Y'all going to do it like that? If you were at the Avalanche game, see, let me tell you something. Them hockey fans, they're a whole other kind of fan. They're crazy. Y'all are crazy. God, no, you're going to hurt yourself, son, if you keep on hollering like that. You're going to pop this vessel right here. I see it. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. We were here, but I want you to see this. We were here, but I want you to see this. Now, I, I want you to say this because for the, my note takers, here's the point. An unusual step equals an unusual experience. An unusual step equals an unusual experience. It's Matthew 14, 22. Here it is. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. I just have a question real quick. If Jesus made them get in the boat and that was the only boat they had, how was Jesus planning on getting to the other side? Sometimes God intentionally puts you in the midst of a situation that it starts out unexplainable. It starts out confusing. It's, uh, Jesus said, y'all going to the other side. Now, listen. Uh, Chief of Jesus Security, which was arguably Peter, because he was a little thuggy. You know, he's Chief of Security. And, 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 and you need some good, good thugs, you know. No, I'm serious. When you're doing ministry, you need some folk that'll fight. And somebody said, Bishop, I've never been a thug. Oh, yes, you are. Let them overcharge you at the gas station. I, the thug in you will come out. I don't care if you white, black, tall, short, Hispanic, Asian American, Native American, Hindu American. Indian, I love it. 
Ladies, go buy that purse and figure out they charge you for two of them. The inner fog in you rises up. You don't go in there talking about, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. No, you go in there with an agenda. Now, what's the problem? I'm just trying to figure out. Because if you ain't starting, then they're going to be nothing. But I mean, it seems like you just want to be starting something. You always want to be starting something. Jesus, <laughs> I'm surprised that his chief of security didn't say to him, listen, master, uh, how are you going to get over there? You told us to get in the boat and go to the other side so we could prepare the way for you to come. And you're still over here with the crowd. How is it you're going to get over there? So the situation starts out unusual. It's not like Jesus could have called a boat taxi service. It's not like Jesus could, 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 have, could have, you know, called somebody with a motorboat or a No, 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 no. He starts out unusual. See, whenever you find yourselves in an unusual predicament from the jump or from the beginning, it's because God wants to do something unusual in the experience that you have. Here it is. Now, he sent the multitude away. Go to verse 23. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Then it became evening, and he was alone there. So just imagine if you're part of the 12. Jesus has sent you in the first place. He's gone by himself. He's by himself. He sent you on the boat. You're getting to where he's supposed to be going. And now nighttime comes and Jesus still hasn't shown up. But you're perplexed because you don't know how he's going to show up in the first place. Because even though you heard what he said, you can't see what he's saying. So, verse 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Can, can I suggest to you that Jesus, when he went up by the mountain to pray didn't do that because he had nothing else to do he did that because he intentionally wanted to wait until they were in the middle of the storm he could have came out before the storm began to rise. He, he could have crossed the sea and he could have gone through this same experience at a different period or point of time. He could have let them get almost to the other side where they were going before this happened. But no, Jesus says, I'm going to waste a little bit more time and I'm going to go up to pray by myself in the evening so that not only does the storm start, but it's dark while the storm is blowing. You, you didn't hear what I just said. He, he said, not only am I going to let the storm come, but I want to wait until it's dark to where you can't even see what's really going on. You ever felt like, I'm not talking to everybody right here, but have you ever felt like there was darkness all around you and no matter where you looked, you couldn't see a way out of this thing. You couldn't see how it was going to turn for your benefit. So Jesus says, I'm going to wait. I'm going to do just like I did with Lazarus. They said, listen, Jesus, Jesus, if you come, then you can save Lazarus. Jesus said, no, I'm going to wait. And then later on, uh, the lady said, listen, if Jesus said, you come, then my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus said, I'm glad he's dead. Jesus said, I'm going to wait till you're in the middle of it, and I'm going to wait until it's dark to where you don't have no other option. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves. Y'all still with me? For the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. What's interesting is they weren't troubled by the storm that had the potential to shipwreck them. They were troubled by Jesus that they saw coming toward them. Sometimes when Jesus is coming at you to save you, it's going to look scary to you. Because he doesn't always show up the way you want him to show up. 
Sometimes you want him to show up like a knight in shining armor, but sometimes he comes like a thief in the middle of the night. Sometimes you want him to show up like a prince, but he shows up like a frog. Sometimes you want him to show up one way, but he comes another way. So now they're trouble, not because of the storm, not because the uh, boat's being tossed to and fro. They say it's a ghost. And so they cry out for fear. (laughs) But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, listen, cheer up, man. Relax. Woosa. <laughs> it is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered him. Now, this is interesting because Jesus didn't ask a question. Okay, your neighbors just didn't, didn't get it. But immediately Jesus spoke to him. He did what? Spoke. That's a statement. That's a declaration. Ends with a period, not a question mark. And immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. But verse 28 says, and Peter answered him and said. Well, wait a minute. We got a problem now. We have an issue because the Bible evidently did not understand what happened in in the previous verse. Because in the previous verse, Jesus gave a statement. But yet it says that Peter's giving an answer. Which means every statement that Jesus has embedded in it is a question. Everything God says embedded in it is a question. You you, you didn't hear what I just said. Uh, uh, Everything that he says in the midst of it is a question. He he said, he said, but immediately Jesus spoke to him saying, big of a chair, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, I says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Wait, Wait a minute. Peter answered a question that was not clearly asked in the text. Which means by deductive logic, we have to now presume that the question that was asked is, Peter, are you going to stay afraid in the boat? Or are you going to get out the boat and come to me? Jesus didn't ask it uh, directly, but embedded in the statement was the question. What has God said to you that embedded in it is a question? He said, start the business, but embedded in the question is, will you trust him to give? You you didn't hear me. He he, he said, stop worrying about what people are saying about you, but embedded is that, is do you trust that he'll make your name great? He said, he says, I am the God that heals you, but embedded in that is a question. Do you believe beyond what you can see? He, He made a statement, but embedded was a question. Verse 29, so he said, come. Now listen to me. The supernatural was natural for Jesus because God dwells in the supernatural. But for Peter, somebody say Peter. But for Peter, walking on the water was supernatural because it was unusual for him. You missed what I just said. Jesus walking on the water was not supernatural to Jesus because Jesus is God. He is the, come on, be a good class, the anthropos. He is the God man. He's so much God you can't believe he's man. He's so much man you cannot believe that he is God. He is Emmanuel, God with us now. He is Yeshua Hamashiach. He is Jesus the Messiah. And so now watch this. He, he, it's not unusual for him to walk on water because he dwells in the supernatural. But it would be unusual for Peter to walk on water because Peter's not used to doing that. I want you to stay with me. Unusual doesn't have to be something huge. It's just not the usual for you. I got to make this real simple because I don't want you to miss the point. Because sometimes when we say do something, you got to step out on faith. Sometimes sometimes people think that that means doing something crazy and wild and and big and huge and and gargantuan. But the truth of the matter is, how did Peter get out the boat? One step. 
You missed it. He stepped from the usual into the unusual. What? No, okay. Maybe the middle will get it because they ain't got it. He, 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 he didn't say, Lord, lift me up high above the water and let me levitate over the water. Hmm. Namaste. Warrior one. He didn't do all that. You know what he did? He said, well, it'd be usual for me to stay here in this boat. So I don't know how to float on water. But what I do know how to do is take a step. You're going to get this in just a minute. God says for you to experience the supernatural in your life, it doesn't have to be this big, huge thing. You just got to have the ability to take one step. I ain't got to figure out what the next step is after that. I just got to be able to take one. And I got to learn how to pick them up and put them down. I just got to take one step. Somebody shout one step. But now watch this, watch this. I got to move. It was, it was one simple step that created an unusual experience. He's never seen anybody else walk on water. We've been over this the last couple of weeks, but, but, but watch this. He's never seen anybody else do that. None of his friends, none of his family, nobody in his bloodline has ever done that. And it wasn't because Peter had, watch this, a supernatural ability. It was because Peter had the ability to take a step. Okay, let me, let me, let me work this right here. Let me work it like a part-time job. Here it is. How do you walk on water? One step. Let me throw you off here. How do you eat a hamburger? One bite. Let me throw you way off. How do you eat an elephant? One bite. How do you build a Lego castle? One block at a time. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. How do you build a skyscraper? One beam at a time. Bishop, what are you trying to say? How do I experience the supernatural? One step. Somebody's going to get it. How do you experience unusual in your life? One step. It ain't got to be something that's huge and big. And All I got to do is know how to take one step. I was talking to somebody this week. Watch this. I was talking, and I told him I was going to use this story. Um, so I'll give them credit for it. I won't say their name, but take the innocent and the guilty. I was, I was talking to somebody this week, and they came and met me, and they said, Bishop, I want to talk to you because I want to make some career changes, and, and I want to move. I'm sick of Colorado. And I said, well, I've been there. In fact, every other week I have to pray myself out of that place. Oh, that's too real for you? Bishop, what are you trying to say? You love, I know you love Colorado because you like skiing and stuff. I ain't into that. So that don't do nothing for me. You understand? I, I like the weather to not be a schizophrenic. If we're going to be in the 70s, let's be in the 70s all week. Let's not be in the 70s on Monday and Tuesday. And then it's negative 7 on Wednesday and Thursday because you're confusing my sinuses. They don't know what's really going on. And so I'm sick of going to the Mucinex counter. They're thinking I'm sniffing it or something because I'm in there every few days trying to just, oh, y'all going to look at me like that? Okay, forget you then. She said, no, but we thank God for our city and we love our city and we love our state. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So now look here. Uh, she, said, she said to me, she said, Bishop, 
I want to make some career moves, and, and I want to move. I said, okay, talk to me about the career moves. And they said they wanted to go into real estate and stuff like that. And I said, so talk to me about that. I, I can help you with that. Talk to me about what you want to do. And they want to do, you know, some different things in real estate and some investing. And I said, okay. I said, that's great. And, uh, and, and, and I said, now tell me about the move. Uh, well, I just want to get out of Colorado. And they said, because I want to. I want to just experience somewhere. And they said, I, you know, Bishop, I really, I, you know, you're from the South. And, and they said, I just want to experience the South. I said, well, now the South is a whole nother thing. I said, because it's a different world than here because, see, and there's two different things. See, are you talking about the South or the country? Because those are two different things. See, because you could be from Colorado and be country. But being from the South, those are two different things, two different things, two different things. So I said, so, I said, so what is it you want to do? And they said where they wanted to move to the South, and uh, it was somewhere in uh, North Carolina. And I said, okay, great. So I said, tell me about, uh, tell me about North Carolina. And then, and, then, and then the real truth came out. They said, well, Bishop, I just heard that the quality of man there is, is better. And, and, you know, the Southern hospitality. Why y'all looking like that? Okay, now. Don't be judging nobody. That's nice. You found yours here, but everybody, you know, come on now. Don't be looking like, oh, my God. I mean, come on now. <laughs> what, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? I, I said, I said, I, I said, uh, I said, okay, and they explained this, and they said, you know, and this and that, and this and that. And, and I said, well, tell me this. I said, tell me, tell me, tell me you want to do real estate. You want to do all this. Tell me about, tell me about, you know, there. And I said, tell me about how many people live there. Tell me how many people uh, uh, do this. Tell me about the foreclosure rate. Tell me about the occupancy rate in the city you want to be in. Tell me about the DMA, the uh, the the, the uh, uh, or the MDA, excuse me, the, the metropolitan distribution. Tell me tell me about the area. Do you know anything? They said, Well, no, I really don't know nothing about the area. No, I don't know anything really about here. I said, So wait a minute. You want an experience in another place because you think it's better than where you're at, but you don't know nothing about there and you don't know nothing about here. So I said to them, watch this, watch this, I gotta move, because I got to get to two and a half, I got to get to two and a half, I, I gotta move. Uh, so, I, I said, so I said, so let me ask you something. I said, I said where do you live? And, and, and they were you know, telling where they live, and I said, oh, okay, that's, that's a, um, okay. I said, okay. I'm trying to be real good right in here. I, I said, okay, I said, that's good, I said, I said but now you, you wanna be an entrepreneur, you wanna be successful, you wanna do all these things, and I said, but, could it be that the zip code you live in is not conducive? Because every time you get up, you don't see where it is you want to go, but you see where it is you want to escape. So, so watch this. I'm going to get to one step. I'm going to make it make sense in just a minute. I'm going to work it like a bartender. Here's what I said. So, so, I said, so I said to her, I said, so daughter, I said, listen to me. I said, listen very carefully to me. I said, how far do you live from where you grew up? And, and, and she responded, oh, about, about oh, uh, uh, eight minutes. I said, so wait a minute, you still live at home. <laughs> Bishop, what do you mean? Bishop, what do you mean I, I still live at home? I said, because what you're saying is you want a, a new experience. The problem is you put yourself in an atmosphere of an old experience because you still live a, throne sto a stone's throw away from home. So I said, you're willing to now take this huge gargantuan step to move to the south, which I'm telling you is a whole nother animal. And if you're not ready for it, you're not ready for it. We do things a little different. Like say hi to people. I, you know, just simple stuff. Not big stuff. <laughs> like say good morning. How you doing? Be encouraged. Thank the Lord for you, you know. I said, could it be that the only step you need to take 
is not a step of uprooting your family and moving across the country, but could it be that the step you need to take is going to another zip code that doesn't remind you of where you grew up? You're missing what I'm saying, Bishop. She wanted to take this huge, big old leap way over there with bad information, but the only thing she needed to do was take one step right here to change her atmosphere. What are you trying to say, Bishop? For some of you, you're thinking you got to do this big old huge thing, and the only thing you need to do is just take one step. See, did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? What simple step do you need to take that will make all of the difference? You think it's a big thing, and I'm not saying it's not a big thing, but I'm just saying sometimes uh, the first thing is a small thing, a simple thing. You, you want to do this huge thing, but you don't even do the simple things. You're ready for a divorce, but you're not even nice. You say you're ready for ministry. You can't even show up to church on time. See, it's going to get real quiet right through here. That's okay. I planned it in the message. I planned it. You say you want your children to serve God, yet they see you skip church. And we got a paradox. It's real quiet in the church. Y'all should have told me if I was coming to the cathedral today. I could have dressed appropriately. In his eminence's garments. What what small thing do you need to do? You, you, okay, I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to leave that alone. Say amen. Amen. If you don't say amen, I'm going to just say it again. What small, simple thing do you need to do? For some of you, and, and, hear, and hear me, because I'm, I'm not judging you. What I'm saying is, is one simple, small step is how Peter experienced the supernatural. For some, it's just faithful church attendance. For some, you're saying, oh, my God, I don't know why my life won't change. It's because you just won't even be faithful to get the lessons. And you keep taking tests unprepared. You come here to get the lessons so you can take the test. But when you take the test, you didn't get the lessons, so now you're guessing. And the problem is tests in life, they're open note. An open book. And you said, you know, I don't know, is it A, B, C, or D? By the way, they're not multiple choice tests either. They're open-ended. Because a multiple choice test, it, it, it discerns your ability to be able to differentiate and come to a conclusion. It, it, it discerns your ability to be a difference engine. It does not discern your ability that you know the information. An open-ended test now reveals whether or not you know. You can guess on a multiple. Come on, can we be on? How many of us? You, some of y'all, the way you graduated was because of multiple choice. And you thank God for the scan, scanning thing. Because if it wasn't for multiple choice, you would. And you just go along the line. You'd be making pictures like a pyramid. A, B, C, D, E, F. E, D, C, B, A. And then you get creative. A, 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 B, B, C, C, D, D. For some, the one simple step is just faithful serving. For some, it's just being a person of integrity, saying the truth. Saying, God, I don't know why I don't have good relationships. Maybe it's because you lie in those relationships. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not judging you, okay? Okay, I'm just asking questions. Maybe your one step is that you just need to be timely. 
Okay, so since you ain't gonna say nothing, y'all can forget the clock, turn the clock off. I ain't studying the clock, I'm gonna take my time right here. How are you late everywhere all the time? And you always got a good reason, though. Who the traffic? So you didn't know? Quiet up in here. This is <laughs> this is the quietest I didn't heard y'all. Who my kids? So did you just have them? Because you knew it takes a long time to get them dressed. You've been knowing that for years. Why are you acting like it's brand new information? It's real quiet right in here. E evidently, I'm all in your business right there. And then you'll make it spiritual. I was late because I was praying. Now, I'm going to tell you how that's not true. I'm going to tell you how that's not true. Because if you were praying to him, he would have told you, shut up and get there on time. Talk to me once you get there. Bishop, how can you say that? Because what you're saying violates the principle of the scripture. Because when you agree to be somewhere at a certain time, you created a covenant or an agreement. When you break the time you said you'd be there, you've now committed adultery. Adultery has nothing to do with sex with someone else. Adultery means to break your covenant. So when you said, I'll be there at 830 and you got there at 845 and didn't even have the audacity to apologize, you committed. Okay. Okay, I'm going to leave this alone because for some, the one step you need to take is submission to a leader. You don't submit to nobody. Can't nobody tell you what to do. He a man just like me. But he got something you don't. I ain't got to listen to nobody. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Ain't nobody got time for that. God can only trust you to lead to the extent he can trust you to follow. So if you're a bad follower, by definition, maybe leadership wouldn't be your thing. And then some people will become bad. See, it's real quiet. That's cool. I anticipated it. And then some people will intentionally be bad followers because they believe in their call to lead greater than they believe in their call to follow. And so they'll say, well, I'd do what I'm supposed to do if I was in charge, but you're never going to make it to be in charge because you don't know how to follow. It's quiet in here. I guess I should have saved this for Wednesday. For some student, your one step is not doing some big old thing to start the next Facebook or begin the next Twitter. Something only you need to do is just listen to your mom and them. Oh, now they shout. Look at y'all. Y'all something else. Now, let me translate, Denver. Mom and them is a southern colloquialism for mother and father and whoever their designees are. That's the and them. Some student, you, all you got to do is just listen to what they say. But Bishop, you don't understand. No, I do understand. I understand that you've convinced yourself that you can see farther, that you know more than them. The, the, the issue, though, is that any parent that loves their child has the audacity to realize that sometimes you can't be friends with those you have to lead. Because you cannot receive from what you perceive to be your equal. 
I'm going to teach. For some, the one small step you need to take today is just reading your Bible consistently. Some people say, Lord, just take me deeper. Lord, I want to go deeper. Well, how is it going to take you deeper? And you ain't even opened the book. Lord, just give me a revelation of what? What do you want him to reveal? He can reveal to you the place you left the Bible. I'm not beating you up. I'm just saying, say one small step. Peter took one step. It was simple. But it took him out of the usual into the unusual. Are you hearing what I'm saying? One small step. For some, that's listening to the CDs or the teaching. It's just one step. Because sometimes you feel like, God, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Papa man taking over. There he is. For those of you who know what that is, that's the jingle on the CDs, putting on the CD stands. Or the old one. It's a new one now, but that's the old one. Say one small step. Here it is. Here it is. I told you maybe two and a half. An unusual step equals a what? Unusual experience. What simple thing can you do? You're saying, God, I need you to do this. But what can you do to take one simple step? One simple step. One simple step. Here's the second one, and I don't know if we'll get further than this. Say unusual. unusual. Say it again. Unusual. An unusual offering equals an unusual opportunity. I want you to see this. This is going to blow your mind, and I'll probably run off the stage at some point. At that time, uh, they will come and uh, render a selection. First Kings chapter 3, you got it? No, you ain't got it. I just told you to flip there. First Kings chapter 3, but somebody's getting ready to say, I got it. First Kings chapter 3, verse 4. First Kings chapter 3, verse 4. Who wants the unusual in life? Listen, you don't want to be average because everybody's doing that. You don't want an average family. You don't want average kids. You don't want average finances. You don't want an average marriage. You don't want an average, you don't want an average life. God didn't create you for average. You mean to tell me he died and went through all of that for us to have average? Oh, no. The devil is a lie. Anybody else saying that? First Kings 3, 4, you got it? Now the king, talking about Solomon here, now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that was a great high place. Solomon, who's the king, offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Next verse. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, read it with me. Ask, what shall I give you? <laughs> you already missed it. <laughs> you already missed it. Say unusual. God appears to King Solomon in a dream and says, listen, your offering was so unusual that I'm not just going to give you a financial harvest back. He said, what your offering revealed to me is something great about what's in you. People say, Bishop, why are you talking about offerings? Why are you talking about that, that kind of thing? Because I know what some of them think, oh, here he goes. I'm not giving. Here he is. I knew he was going to do it. Absolutely. You know why? Because you need more than what you have. And I'm not saying you're doing bad. I'm just saying what you want to be doing and where you want to be going, you need more than what you have. And if what you have in your hands is not enough to meet your need, it's not your harvest, it's your seed. But look at what I'm trying to get you to see here because it's bigger than money. Say it's bigger than money. 
Because I've discovered that you can have money and it still not be enough if you don't have favor. See, when you serve God, he'll give you favor. And favor is always better than money because favor will get you what money can't buy. Money can buy you a doctor, but it can't buy you health. Money can buy you a lawyer, but it can't buy you justice. Money can buy you a house, but it can't buy you a home. Money can buy you a spouse, but it won't give you the love of your life. You're not hearing what I'm saying. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and he said to him, ask, what shall I give you? Okay, apparently we still aren't getting it. So I'm going to just rewind. You remember when you had to rewind the cassette tape? And that you'd always go a little too far. And then you hit play, and then you hit, and then it, Okay. Solomon goes up. He's, he's newly installed as king. He goes up. David was his father. He goes up to a high place, and he says, listen, normally in this circumstance, as the new king, we, we'd, give, we'd give one, we'd give two, we'd give a few. Uh, he said, but i tell you what I want to do. I want to give an unusual offering. Watch this. He said, I want to give an unusual offering. So he said, i tell you what. I know we normally do this amount. He said, but i tell you what I want you to do. I want you to give a thousand burnt offerings. Okay. Now, somebody said, Bishop, what is a burnt offering? A burnt offering was literally where they would skin the animal, and the skin would be given to the man of God as a first fruit, and the rest of the animal would be burned. And, and literally, the, the word there in Hebrew is olah, which means the smell would ascend to God, uh, because in that time, that was the ritualistic application of redemption, offering, and those kinds of things. Now, Bishop, what are you trying to say? Throughout the Bible, we see this connection between unusual opportunities and unusual offerings. And your giving is important because it reveals what's in your heart. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So check this out. It would be the equivalent today of us giving a $1,000 offering. Check this out. But Solomon gave it as a child. Hear me. Watch this. In this particular chapter, Solomon is estimated to be between anywhere between 12 and 20 years old. And Solomon literally tells the Lord, he says, God, I'm a child. In other words, he says, I'm unlearned at knowing how to rule the people. He said, you've given me this opportunity, but I don't want to ruin it. You've opened this door, but I want to make sure that I maximize everything that's behind the door. You've given me this great thing in front of me, but I want to make sure that I maximize it. And so Solomon says, the rest of the kings before me, which would have only been David and Saul, he said, the rest of the kings before me, they may have sacrificed and offered this, but I want to give you a thousand burnt offerings and check out what happens. God looks down and looks at that and says, I tell you what, that show is unusual. So then God says, I tell you what, Solomon, because of the unusual nature of your offering, I got an unusual question for you. I don't normally ask people what they want. I normally tell them what they're going to get. But he said, Solomon, your unusual offering has done something in the heavenlies and now I got a question for you what do you want me to give you you didn't understand that it's a big thing when the king of kings and the lord of lords and the creator of the heavens and the earth and the creator of everything that has been that is or that will be it's a big thing when he says tell me what you want and he didn't stop there he said tell me what you need and then he said tell me if it ain't good enough for you tell, tell me what you want me to give you it's one thing for your boss to say tell me what you want it's one thing for your spouse to say tell me what you want it's one thing for your children to say mama what you want for your birthday it's one thing for your children to say daddy what you want for father's day it's a whole nother thing for the god 
It's a whole nother thing for the God of the universe to say, tell me what you want. So, so, so some of us, we, we, we're just not getting past that because that seems so incredible. God said, ask, what shall I give you? And notice, because I don't want you to get the impression that God's like a genie in the bottle, and if you rub him the right way, he'll come out. Here's what I want you to see, though. He said, ask me what you want, and I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> Can y'all read the King's English? Okay. He said, Solomon, your daddy failed me. I loved him, but he didn't accomplish everything he was supposed to accomplish. And it's not because he was a lesser man or anything. It was because you had the faith to give an unusual offering, which has created for you, Solomon, an unusual opportunity. Ask me what you want, and I'm going to give it to you. Now, how many of us can be honest that if we got a question like that from God, what, what would you say? Come on, talk to me. What would you say? See, that's all you would say. Woo! We wouldn't even know what to say if God was like, tell me what you want. God, dog. Uh, do I have to tell you right now? Can I take a few moments to figure out what I want? Hold on, God. Let me go get my targeted prayer list. It's because it's unusual. You're not hearing what I'm saying. But if you'll have the faith to give God an unusual offering, then he's got the ability to ask you an unusual question. It ain't what you qualify for. It's not what you deserve. He said, tell me what you want. You know what we said, woo, when I asked that question? It's because we began to filter it through, what do I deserve? What can I handle? And God says, that's not the question. He said, the question is, what do you want? And can I tell you the answer? And I'm only going to be able to get through this one. I wish I could get to the third one. It depends on how y'all press and push me and expect. Watch this. Here it is. Here it is. Solomon then says, I'll tell you what I want, God. He said, I'll tell you what I want. He said, these, these are great people of yours, God. And he said, I've been made king. And he said, I'll tell you what the issue is, God, is that I understand that if I'm successful at the opportunity you give me, God, I don't need you to open the door. You've opened the door. I just want to make sure that when I get behind that door that I can maximize everything. But who am I talking to? God's already opened some doors for some of you. It ain't an issue of opening the door. It's an issue of what you're going to do with the door that he's opened. Solomon said, I'll tell you what, God, give me wisdom. I'll, suffice, uh, I'll surmise it to say that he asked specifically for understanding to rule the people, which later on the, the Bible declares was wisdom. He, he says, give me wisdom to rule your people. And you know what God says? The Bible uses some interesting language. It says, and this saying pleased God. Literally, it uses the word speech. <laughs> so Solomon's giving a speech. He was like in the oratorical contest. He's like, now, dear father, in the name, <laughs> he's giving a speech. He, he says, Lord, he says, what I want is wisdom. Because what I understand is, if I have wisdom, then everything else I need because, Bishop, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the appropriate application of knowledge. Wisdom is a shortcut. You can be smart but not wise. 
You can be intellectually advanced but not wise. You can have a 4.0 and be magna cum laude but still not be wise. You can have A's and B's but still not be wise. He said, I want to be wise because if I'm wise, then I'll never lack for anything. And do you know the story of this man, Solomon? Solomon is not only recorded as the wisest man in the scriptures, but he was up until recent years the richest man to have ever lived. God, they don't speak the King's English in a roar no more. Bishop, what are you trying to say? Wisdom gave him everything else that he wanted. He didn't have to chase money. Money started. He didn't have to chase opportunity. Opportunity started. And he didn't chase relationships either. About a thousand of them chased after him. 700 wives, 300 girlfriends, concubines. Are you here? Say unusual. You keep having the same opportunities everyone else does because you keep giving what everyone else does. Now let's make offering me more than money. You keep serving the way everybody else does. You pray the way everybody else does. You, you keep doing it the way everybody else does, so you keep getting what everybody else gets. But you started, when I started this message, all of y'all were shouting about how you wanted something unusual. Say unusual. I don't have time to go to the next one, but I want to give you a preview of coming attractions. <laughs> Real quickly. So, so what's the first point? A usual step equals an unusual experience. What's the second one? Unusual offering equals unusual opportunity. Here's the third one. Here's the third one. You ready? Here's the third one. Preview of coming attractions. Unusual passion equals unusual miracles. I just got to give you a preview because I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. Okay, just real quick, go to Acts 19.1. Put it up on the screen for him real quick. Acts 19.1. I just want you to see this. I don't have time to get here. We'll have to finish it later. I just want you to see this. Unusual passion equals unusual miracles. Bishop, what is a miracle? A miracle is when the supernatural invades and does what you don't have the ability to do for yourself. A miracle, a miracle is greater than healing because healing deals with the body, the emotions, the soul, mind, thoughts, will, emotions. But a miracle can transcend and be in any area. See, the miracle could, could be that your spouse finally comes to Jesus. You're not hearing what I'm saying. A miracle could be that your children finally get off the crazy boat. And somebody acting like, Bishop. Uh, you, know, you need to learn how to be honest now. A miracle could be that that child you've been praying for finally puts down the weed. A miracle could be that that child you've been praying for finally gets out of that abusive relationship. And you talked to them, and you counseled them, and you prayed, and you put oil over them, and you put the cross on the door, and then you went and you, you thought you was Catholic. You prayed over some water and said, take it in Jesus' name. Take it in Jesus' name. You, you did all of that, and none of it worked but a miracle. And miracles happen for people with unusual passion. Can, can I just give you a preview real quick? Acts 19, verse 1. Here it is. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. Uh -huh. Ephesus means, watch this, by definition in the Greek, it means to relax or let go. 
and that'll make sense when we finish it here. And finding some disciples, here it is, uh, go to verse 11. Now God worked what? Stop. Where is he at? Ephesus. What did God work? Unusual miracles. Now, who were the miracles for? Were they for Paul? No. Were they for the man of God? No. Who were they for? The people of Ephesus. Now, God worked on you. You know what an unusual miracle is? Unusual miracle is to where even in your, in your most extravagant of dreams and visions and imaginations, you couldn't see that. An unusual miracle is even in all of your thinking and all of your belief that God is great and he can do the impossible. A miracle says, I sure didn't even think that. I've got, I never thought they'd be sitting next to I ne- I. Now the Lord worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Check out verse 12. So that even the handkerchiefs or aprons that were brought from his body to the sick, the diseases left them. And the evil spirits went out of them. Say unusual. unusual. Say it again. Say unusual. unusual. Now listen, we can do this one of two ways. I can drop my anchor right here. Or I can tell you why they got that. I just need to know. How much time I got? I just need to know, because I know y'all got soccer games and football games and basketball games and track meets and Baskin Robin 31 and all this and got to get your Jamba Juice and your Orange Julius and all this here. I understand that. But I think it's a few people that say, I need an unusual miracle. I can't wait till next Sunday. I need it this week. So I just need to know. Let's ride. Go to Revelation chapter 2. Go to Revelation chapter 2. If you got to go, we love you. Drop your offering off before you leave now. Revelation chapter 2. Now you just learned about it. You said, oh, no, no, no. Okay, watch this. Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to get you out of here. Revelation chapter 2. I got to get you out of here. But I just, I just need you to see this because somebody needs a miracle this week. Somebody needs a miracle this week. You, you can't wait until next Sunday to figure out how they got this. You need to know now. Some of you, if God don't move by Tuesday morning, it's over. It's done. It's through. So watch this. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, I will watch this. To the angel, which means pastor there, at the church of Ephesus. Now, remember I told you Ephesus means to relax or let go. You, now, notice, notice the inference. It's to become lackadaisical. To the angel of the church where they became lackadaisical. Write these things, who says the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I don't have time to explain it to you. Verse 2, I know your works, your labor, and your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. Evil in Hebrew means contrary to. And I know that you have tested those who say they're apostles. Now watch this. Let me give you a, a, a relevant meaning for yourself. Apostle means one who has sent. So check, check out. Let me make it relevant for you. He says, and I know that a bunch of people have told you that they've been sent to your life. But look at it. But you found them out to be liars. He said, I know there's a lot of people that said that God had sent them to you and they can't believe they found you. And oh, God, thank God for you. He said, but you found them out to be liars. Uh-huh. Okay, watch this. 
verse 3. And I know that you've persevered and you have patience and you have labored for my name's sake and you have not become weary. Now, you think that sounds good, right? But look at, now this is Jesus talking. Look at his indictment against them. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you left your first love. He said, you don't pray like you used to. You don't worship like you used to. You don't come to church like you used to. You don't love other people like you used to. He said, you left your first love. He said, you exchanged me for my hand. He said, he said you left your first love. Check this out. Verse 5, he said, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. Now, check this out. He was writing to church people. He wasn't writing to people who sometimes the church would say, oh, they backslid. No, no, no. He wasn't talking to people like that. He was writing to people that sat up in the church, but he said, but you had fallen. You were still present, but you had fallen. Oh, Jesus. He says, he says remember, therefore, from whence you've fallen. Repent. Shh. Turn, change directions, and do the first works, or else. <laughs> I love Jesus. Now, we love Jesus when he's talking about I love you, and I'm going to change. It got real quiet there. You love God when, oh, I love you, and oh, I died for you, and what's going to separate you from you? You love that one, but you got to love this one too. He said, now, remember and, and get it right, or else. <laughs> Parents, you ever had to say to your children, if this room ain't clean, by the time I get back from the store, don't play with me, little boy, which means or else. Here it is. I'm through. I'm through. Here it is. Or else I will come to you. Go back. Or else I will come to you to quickly, uh, come to you quickly and remove you from your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Change. Bishop, what are you trying to say? Can, can, can I give it to you real quick? I got to give you the abbreviated version. Works there in the Greek, uh, when he says do the first works, is the, is the Greek word orgon, which means it's a deed or action that carries out and completes an inner desire. He said, go back and do the first deeds or actions that carry out an inner desire. But Bishop, what are you trying to say? They got unusual miracles because they had unusual passion for Jesus. Okay, you, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Not just unusual passion for him, but unusual passion for the things that were important to him, like building his church. Uh, they didn't have to be cheer-led to praise and worship. They came in and said, I got a song on my own lips. So if it ain't no praise team, if they don't sing nothing, I'll sing by myself. Why? Because I've got unusual passion. And since they had unusual passion, they saw unusual miracles. Why? Why do you have to be cheer-led? Why, why, why do you, why, 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 why do you have to be reminded of what he's done just to get you to say hallelujah? I told you this last week, I'm through. The climate for an outpouring is set by one word. What was it? Sacrifice, to give up or to offer. And we told you last week that we don't sacrifice or do things in order to earn God's love, but the biblical pattern teaches us that those four things created an atmosphere for an outpouring. And we talked about last week fasting and praying on every Wednesday during the series until sundown. It's amazing because then people came into church eating hamburgers. 
Now the sun clearly went down at 7 o'clock. I'm not beating you up. I'm just saying, what you need ain't worth no dollar cheeseburger. I, I, we talked about sacrificial giving. We talked about praise and worship out of your comfort zone. We talked about repentance. Check this out. Look at me. Look at me. Paul goes, he works unusual miracles to where God says, I'm going to anoint the handkerchiefs. Get that to somebody, and it'll heal them. The only place the Bible records this happening is in Ephesus. But when Jesus is writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, I tell you my problem with you is that I did unusual miracles for you because of your unusual passion for me. But you left it. What happened to the day where you would just say, God, for you I live. God, for you I die. What happened to the day we used to say stuff like this? We used to say stuff like this. What happened to the day when we say, God, if you never do another thing, And I'm not saying that because I don't want you to do something else. I'm just letting you know if I add up what you've done. What happened to when you couldn't wait to get into the auditorium? What happened until you couldn't wait for the message to start? What, what happened until you could? What happened? He said they had unusual miracles because they had unusual passion. Listen, what are you trying to say? Perhaps the miracle you need lies behind the passion you lack. And Bishop, Bishop, but what's the solution? What can I do? What, what are you saying? What I'm saying to you is uh, we got a few more minutes in this worship experience. What I'm saying to you is forget all about your neighbor. Forget all about who's sitting behind you. Ladies, forget all about your weave. You got to trust that she sold it in good. Some of you don't wear a weave. That's okay. I'm coming your way. Forget all about your wig. Forget all about your Mac. I know you just, I know it took you 45 minutes to get it right this morning. I know. Young people, forget all about trying to be cool. Why you try to be cool for people ain't got nothing? <laughs> If I'm going to change who I am, you at least better have something for me to get. I mean, come on now. I'm just saying. We got a few minutes left. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to have unusual passion. Somebody said, Bishop, but a lot's going on in my life. But you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. Passion produces miracles. How did the woman with the issue of blood get there? Because she had passion to keep on pressing. How did blind Bartimaeus get healed? Because he said, come on, Jesus, come on. And they said, shut up. And he said, you shut up. You don't know what I need. Your mama. I just need 50 of y'all that say, God, I need a miracle to run to this altar with passion like you've never had before. I said with passion like you've never had.
I said with passion like you've never had. God, I said with passion like you've never had. I said with passion like you've never had. Yeah. 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 Somebody's getting ready to have an unusual. Somebody's getting ready to have an unusual. I said somebody's getting ready to have an unusual. Yeah. Bishop, what are you waiting on? I, I, you the one need the miracle. The atmosphere is just waiting on you. I said, you're the one that needs the miracle. The atmosphere is just waiting on you. The atmosphere is just waiting on you. If you're in the overflow and you need a miracle, get out the overflow and come in here. Get your hands in the air and act like you need a miracle. I need some students that are desperate for Jesus. I need some, I need some adults that are desperate. Unusual passion, unusual miracles, unusual passion. If you're watching online, get up out of your seat. <laughs> unusual passion equals unusual miracles. Unusual worship equals unusual miracles. Unusual praise equals un. Bishop, what you waiting on? You the one need the miracle. You're the one that needs the unusual miracle. Y'all come help me. You're the one that needs the unusual miracle. Where's your passion? 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 Don't you wait until you see the miracle. You can praise him now. Don't you wait until the battle is over. You can shout now. You can shout now. You can shout now. there's no limits for our God. There's no boundaries for our God. God, I wish there was some unusual passion in this place. God, I wish there was some unusual passion in this place. No limits, no boundaries, no limits, no boundaries, no limits, no boundaries. No limits. Unusual, unusual, unusual. Unusual, unusual, come on, unusual, 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 unusual.
Jesus, while you're healing today, stop by here. While you're letting miracles, stop by here. Stop by here. Stop by here. Y'all sing it. Say, no limits. No limits. No boundaries. No boundaries. I see
I need a miracle. I need something unusual. I need something unusual. Not like you did it last year, but I need something unusual. Anybody need something unusual? Anybody need something Unusual passion. Yes, Lord. Jesus. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Unusual. 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 Come here, darling. Come here. You need something from God. I don't know what it is, but. Lift your hands. But God tells you today it's already done. I need a miracle. Unusual passion. Unusual Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.